the one thing that makes me so crazy is when people say, I want to be this, I want to help people, I want to do this, I want to, you know, give back. But what they really want is to be famous. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that if that's what you really want. But don't do it under the guise of doing it for other people because it's not for other people. If you're going to focus on the work, focus on the work and doing really good work and all the other stuff is going to fall into place anyway. I'm a big, big, big believer in that. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the number one coach biz podcast. Where it is all about how you can make your coaching business number one in your niche. How you can stand out online and become visible for the people that need your help. Something personal. In 2010, I joined a mastermind for the first time. This mastermind really helped me to my next level. My business may even not have survived without this mastermind. Hi. My name is Erno Hanink and I'm a mentor for life and business coaches that want to become number one in a niche. In this episode, I interview Gina Gomez, a certified life and business coach. Gina is also the creator of the Mr. Mind Mastermind program for female entrepreneurs and the host of the popular YouTube series called Five in Five. Five questions in five minutes. After building a successful career in corporate America as vice president of sales for a major healthcare company, she used her results-oriented business philosophy and knack for developing relationships to help others achieve and exceed their professional and personal goals and live up to their true potential. She has coached talent and professionals in the entertainment industry, corporate executive small business owners, artists, teachers, high school and college students, parents, couples and other life coaches. Please enjoy the tips and ideas that Gina shares in this interview. Let's get the show rolling. Welcome to the number one coach biz podcast, where you will learn how to make your coaching business number one in your niche. Practical tips that you can use to improve your business today. And now, your host, Erno Hanink. Hello, Gina. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. Welcome to the Number One Coach Biz podcast. The first question and the last question is always the same, and from then it, um, it it changes. But the first questions I always ask is, so um, I will meet you at a networking event, and I ask you, what do you do? What do you say then? Oh, that's a good question. Usually I tell people, you know how, I, I don't know if this is true of where you live, but here in the States we have a lot of people who flip houses, so what they do is they buy houses, they tear them down, What they tear down what's not working, and then they rebuild it to increase the value. That's what I do with businesses. So I look at what's working, what's not working. Anything that's not working, we tear down and we rebuild to increase the value in the business. The selling part is up to the owner if they choose to sell like people who flip houses, but it's really to increase the revenue. Wow. That's a, that's a nice um, entry there. <laughs> tear, tearing the stuff in the business that doesn't work because I can imagine that the owner... Um, doesn't really look at it that way because it's it's a part of their soul and and you want to tear it down. Right, and 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 that's a really tricky part, especially for a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners who 
represent or represented in themselves in their business, like coaches, for example. So it's interesting that you should mention that because I've been having this conversation with people recently talking about how my somebody asked me something about like, you know, about how my business, everything looks so great and my business is going great. And it's funny because just I think it was the day before I had been up late because I had some problems with my computer. And so I was laughing and I said, well, the girl who's in the business, that's not I mean, that's me, but it's not me. Like, I don't always look like that. I don't always like I don't, I'm not always together. So it is hard because when somebody says to you something that you could do differently or do better, you have to be able to separate the two. You have to be able to say, this is the business and that face that's part of the business is me, but I'm not the business. I'm still a person. The sooner you can do that, the easier it is to detach from the outcome and say, okay, there's an opportunity here, not just to tear things down, but to make it so much better. Because oftentimes what happens is we go into business thinking we're going to be location independent. We're going to have the six figure income and all these other things, but we don't think about the work that really goes into it. And so that's why a lot of people burn out or the businesses don't succeed because they haven't looked at the long-term picture or what's really going on in their business. So you talk about um, separating uh, the you and the business, but, it, but, but if, I'm, if I'm, I think that's the way I feel too, uh, and I shouldn't, but it's, it's, it's how I feel often is that I am, I am, I'm working on my own. Um, I'm a mentor and, um, you know, it's similar would be if I'm a coach and um, I am the business, right? So, so if you're going to tear something down for my business, you're going to tear something down, which was a part of me. Right. So usually what happens in, in that situation and it, you know, like what we we're just saying, it is often hard because there's an emotional attachment, but, but I tend to work with people. And this is one of the things I say all the time is that I get people who will say to me, but I just, you know, I really want to work with good people or I really want to do good work. So what I say is then make it about the work, because as soon as you start to make it about you, you start to alienate your audience. You start to see things differently because that's when our ego starts to take over and then it changes the course of the business. So if you can separate it and say, okay, I'm really, if you're really focused on the work, I'm really focused on providing something good for your clients, or your customers, however you define or, you know, however you call them, then if you can separate from that, then you really focus on the work and the results. What will happen is when you see those results and they're better than you originally anticipated, that feeds the ego in a completely different way that allows you to be stronger and more confident in your business to get consistent and long term results and for your clients as well. Hmm. Um, I, 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 I saw on your website that, um, which was, you know, kind of funny to notice because in general, when I, when I meet coaches and I, I, you know, I look up how they write about themselves on the web, um, they often have a lot of, um, spiritual information and, um, about, uh, love and, and, and fun and joy. And you talk about, especially, especially you start your about page with that you are all about the money, the income, the ROI, so very serious. <laughs> and you're not about abundance and love and light and all this stuff. We don't talk about that if you don't, if you don't want to. Okay. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm not fun. I don't know. Um, you know, here's why. Because I think all of those things are very, very important. And I will be really honest. And I think that they're, they are more important than money. However, when you are running a business, 
you cannot call the bank that owns the mortgage on your home or the bank that owns the credit card that you use and say, listen, I'm going to have to catch you next month because right now I'm focused on love and abundance. They don't care. They want their money. And the reality is, and this, these are a lot of the people that I talk to who are doing really good work, have really good ideas in their, for their business, but they're not making money. And that that's the part where people people walk away feeling like they have failed or they feel like they made the wrong decision or they say, gosh, I gave up I gave up a job, you know, a career so that I could pursue this and it didn't work. But if you can shift that perception and look at the fact that it's not necessarily that you don't have a good idea. It doesn't mean that you're a failure. What it means is that sometimes you just don't know how to get the results. And sometimes it is because our egos are involved and we're attached to it and we're too close. And when we're too close, I, I use the analogy a lot of looking at a painting. When you're looking at a painting and you're standing really close, you can see the brush strokes and the texture in the painting on the canvas. But when you back away, you might discover that instead of just the brush strokes, there's this whole beautiful landscape scene. But when you're so close, you can't see it. It's the same thing with business. So the reason why I start with focusing on the revenue is because people can relate to that. They can relate to, yes, the love and the light and the abundance and all of those other things, which, as I said, are very, very important. But if you're not making money, suddenly love and abundance and all those, you're not feeling as abundant if you're not able to pay your financial obligations and have a sustainable business. And I, I, I fully agree. So I, I, for me, that's an important thing, too, even though that I... Um, I must say that I have a, a, a fear of success kind of thing there because I also have always have a, a limit in um, how much I, I think I should earn, right? But that's 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 not a topic we're not going to talk about now <laughs> because we just fill another hour of this whole topic. But um, when when I when we talk about um, coaches that help other people like coaches. Um, about you know, earning more money and, and, and getting a better business, it, it often is about changing or um, uh, applying um, um, revenue models. So a model how to make more money. And I have a feeling that you focus a lot more on what's there and, and just review and see how you can make more money of it, what uh, what works and what doesn't work, and just lose that. Yeah, that that's very true. I started, I had a, a corporate career in what I like to call my past life. I had a cor big corporate career in um, in health insurance for a number of years. And I, the great thing was I learned so, so much. I learned about projections, revenue, um, you know, lots of different ways to make a business run. But what I also found was that if, with the people who I work with now, is that I can teach them those things, but if their mindset is in a different place, like what you were just talking about earlier about, you know, like feeling like you have a, a limit or what you feel that you should make when we're stuck in the, in the mindset of limitations, it's hard to get people those results. So when we're focusing on um, business, you know, business um, skills and strategies, oftentimes I pull in on traditional ways of doing it. And the reason I do that is because I know, even for me, like doing budgeting is not my favorite thing in the world to do. Do I do it? Absolutely, because I have to do it for my business and for my personal life. But when I'm sitting there, I am miserable. And I will let everybody know how miserable I am because it's not fun for me. So the way that I like to work with my clients is to try to take the things. And I spend a lot of time 
learning about, you know, how they learn, but also what lights them up and what doesn't. Because if I know that someone's going to have a hard time working on things like finances, I have to find another way to get through to them because ultimately I want them to get results. So we use untraditional things like law of attraction. But is your is your background in finance? No, my background is in sales and marketing. I used huh. to run um, a sales division in sales and marketing where I worked um, exclusively with union um, accounts. So um, so we learned a lot. I did a lot of negotiations, a lot of relationship building. So I, I worked with a lot of the clients that a lot of people didn't either didn't understand or didn't want to learn to understand because they were pretty complicated. And union accounts, what is that? So unions are um, like your Taft-Hartley or labor, like here in the right. U.S., lots of labor labor unions. Yeah. So Teamsters, um, the grocery cl clerks, which is part of what's called the UFCW, those, those people were my clients. And they tend to work a little bit differently than traditional corporate clients, where there's a management side and then there's a union side where the union is represented. So I had to learn a lot of different strategies so that I could understand not just their business sector, but also how to work with them and how to retain the clients while I was also selling. Because what a lot of people don't realize is that while it's great to be focused on sales, it is equally as important, if not more important, to focus on retention, your current clients. Because mm. usually it takes three times as much, it costs three times as much to sell a new client than to retain one. And I'm not a fan of trying to keep somebody on just, you know, so that you have the extra revenue, because I believe that, you know, part of part of being a good coach is also understanding when people are ready to fly, you need to let them fly. But but my point is, if you're focusing on sales and you're not focusing on retention on your current clients, somebody else is focusing on those clients. And then that puts you at risk. And um, so when I when I'm I, I'm going to be your client. So, so where, where do we start? Is it is it we're going to look into my books? So no. So the first thing I would ask you is, you know, I'll ask you a couple of different ways. One thing I, I ask people is tell me what's working in your business. And then I will ask them, OK, and tell me what's not working in your business. So they may say what's working in my business is I have a you know, I have a business that I love. I love what I do. And then I say what's not working in your business. And then they say I don't have paying clients. That might be, you know, so or I have two clients and then I'll say, OK, so what don't you want me to know? What's like what's the one thing you don't want me to know? And that is when people tell you what's really going on in their business. When you ask them what they don't want you to know, that's where the shame, the shame comes in. You know, like if somebody asked me that, I'd be like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're asking me that. But it's almost like and this is the feedback I, that I get there's always, almost like a sense of relief after because all those feelings and the fear that they've been holding in about their business, like what if I don't make more money or make any money or make more money or what if I have to go back and get a traditional you know, bridge job? That's when all of those fears come up. And when you can start acknowledging that and it's all out in the open, then there's a sense of relief that comes with that. And once the relief is there, that's when I can go in and start doing the work with them because now all the, you know, the guard is down. And so if we were working together and I would ask you, okay, so what don't you want me to know? And you may say, I, 
it's me. I'm trying to do everything on my own. And I don't know how much, you know, I don't have enough time in the day to get it all done. And I don't know how long I can sustain this before it starts to affect my business. So what we would do is we would start looking at, okay, so tell me all the moving parts in your business. And we would look at how to either delegate some of those things out, what things are really necessary and start prioritizing, but also focus on where are the opportunities in your current model that helps you to increase your revenue and where are the ones where you're losing revenue? And is that an opportunity to rebuild so that ultimately you increase the revenue there too? That, that, that sounds really like a business coach to me. <laughs> that's what I do. Yes. No, but I, 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 I'm just, that's a compliment because I think that I hear a lot of people that call themselves business coaches, and I think that they don't pay as much attention to this um, as they should. Um, who is your typical client? I work most. I work with men and women, but for the majority of um, my client base, the majority are female business owners who work in um, mostly. I do have some product-based clients, but a lot of them are mostly service-based businesses. Um, they are a lot of them are healers in in some form or another, or other coaches. Um, they're, and they're located all over. I have some here in the United States. I have some um, in Europe, some in Canada. Um, I will tell you honestly, I live in Southern California, and I don't think I have one California client right now. I have, but most of my clients are out of state, which is fun too. The um, We talk about so that you turn around these businesses um, so that you know, they become more successful and the owner becomes more successful. What does success mean to you? Well, I success for me is if, if I can stay in the moment because I tend to be a planner and I tend to be somebody who spends a lot of time in my head. <laughs> um, if I can really be in the moment, that is success for me. And what I mean by that is not worrying about what's going to happen in the next six months or even the next five minutes and not not obsessing about what happened in the last six, six months or five minutes, like really just being focused on I'm being in the here and now and being okay with it. That's success for me. Hmm. That's, that's, that sounds like me. I'm also about, all about now. That's, yeah. that's the only thing that really matters to me. It's a practice though, isn't it? Don't you find that? I mean, you ha I, I have to really be conscious of it. And no, I, for me, um, I think it's, it's, I feel like it's been always that way. So I, for me, it's not, I don't, I don't, I, I don't see it any other way actually. Maybe that's a, that's a that's a that's a um, shortcoming. I'm not sure. Um, we talked about uh, success, and 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 you just we talked about this before the call, but I want to go into it now. Is you talked about launching? Well, not actually launching, but um, starting something new just by you know writing down your ideas um, uh, and 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 starting a mentor program. Tell tell me a bit about that. So what happened for me um, back in May was I, I work mostly with, well, until recently, was working mostly with private clients one-on-one -on -one because that's what I really, really enjoy is really rolling up my sleeves and getting, you know, involved, heavily involved in the work. And I had a week, it was all within one week, where I had three calls with people, women, who were interested in working with me. But they were newer in their business and they were not in a place where they could afford to make the investment in private coaching. 
And I am a big believer where, you know, and I've had people say, well, I could probably put it on a credit card or, oh, I could ask so-and-so to loan me the money. And the first thing I will say is when somebody says something like that to me, it's a huge red flag because I'll say, if you're focused and desperate to make the money, then I can't help you because we're going to spend all the time focusing on your money blocks, which I'm happy to do, but you're not going to get the business results until later because you got to get this stuff cleaned up first. So I was talking to them and as I was talking to them, I realized, you know, here are three women who really want to do good, good work. They have good ideas. They're just in a place where they don't have the money yet to make the financial investment for private coaching. And I'm a firm believer, as I said this to you earlier um, before we jumped on the call, was that when, when you want to know what's going on in the market, the easiest way to find out what your customers want is to ask your customers. And a lot of people never do that. A lot of people just think, oh, I know my customers, so I know what they want. So as I was listening to them, I thought there's got to be a way that I can serve this community in an affordable way. And that's when I came up with an idea for a mastermind. So I created a mastermind program that's a six-month program. Um, with four people in a group max. So everyone gets an opportunity to, you know, have their business um, masterminded at least once a month. And then I do teaching in every, every call. And what happened was when I had this idea and I started working on the outline, I mentioned it to a colleague and a good friend of mine who said, Oh, I want in. And she said, and can I, do you mind if I tell people about it? And I said, no, go ahead. You know, I, I'm just working on the copy or getting ready to work on the copy. And before I even wrote a word of sales copy, the mastermind sold out and I had three groups. So I never did the launch. <laughs> I just started working with the people and implemented them. So we're three months into the program. So we're halfway through. And um, and then I had some other people who asked if I would start another group. And my plan was to wait until September. Um, but they asked me to do something sooner. So we just launched a new group um, this week. Gina? I'm here. Yeah, yeah. I lost you. I just, you just, I just heard you saying, I just started another group last week. That was where you ended. Oh, okay. So, I, yeah, I just started another group last week, and I'm getting ready to do a launch for a, a few new groups to start in September. Um, but it's a lot of fun, and the best part for me is seeing the results that everyone is getting in the group and how they're collaborating. But I think the biggest if I were to, if I had to name one thing that I love best about not just this group, but the program in general is the level of confidence that these women are developing because they are getting results in their business. And that, and so now they're showing up differently in their business because now they see, they see that they really are good at what they do. Not that they didn't think that before, but now they have the financial results to show them. Yes, you're on the right track. And do, do you have, because you mentioned that you teach um, the first part of the call, do you have a, 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 a um, set program what you teach? Um, yes and no. So the, the call is set up, it's, it's an hour-long call. We meet once a week for an hour. So we start on time, we end on time. And during that call, the structure is the first 25 minutes is me teaching. And so the things that I teach are based on law of attraction, but also business skills that people can implement so that they can start getting results. Sometimes it's taught in a non-traditional way where I do bring in law of attraction. And the reason I do that is because 
based on the people in the group, I look to see how they learn and what resonates with them. And with this particular group, they really do well with law of attraction processes applied in a business sense. So, or vice versa. So that works really well. The last portion of the call is where we mastermind a participant. So each participant gets one day a month or one call a month where they, we work on their business. And by the time we hang up, they have an actionable plan that they can implement so they can get results before it's their next time in taking center. We call it taking center stage. Some people call it a hot seat. Um, there was something else I was going to say about the teaching that just escaped my mind. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question about that. So, so, so maybe maybe it comes back. Because now when you start the second and now the fourth group, do you, it's going to be easier, I guess, because then you have done, um, then you know what you've been teaching so that it's, you, you can just pick off the lessons that you've teached before, right? Yes. Yeah. For the most part, yes. And that does that does go back to um, something I was I was leading up to earlier, and then I got sidetracked. Is while I have because it's it's six months, so we've got 26 weeks basically. So I have definitely a list of topics that goes into the program of what what I'm going to teach. But one of the things I have found that is really really critical in business, but most specifically this program is listening to the clients. So we have a private Facebook group that I'm in daily, several times a day. And I pay a lot of attention, not just to what they're posting so that I can respond to them, but I pay attention to what they're saying. Because when you, again, when you are listening to your clients, your clients are telling you exactly what they want. They're telling you exactly what the needs are. And when you have clients, they want you to do well and they want you to succeed because they want to know that you're going to be around for a long time. So one of the things that I do and how I use that Facebook group is to not only be responsive to the clients, but I pay attention to the trends and the things that they're talking about. So for example, we've had a few weeks where I've changed the lesson plan because of things that are coming up in the group and I see a need to go in a different direction. So I do have some flexibility and fluidity in that because I think it's really important. Because if I have an idea of what I think they need to learn, but they're telling me they need to learn something else, if I'm not listening, then I'm not I'm not doing my job and I'm missing the mark and they won't get the results. And do you do you, do you have a um, separate Facebook um, group for each mastermind? I don't, and the reason I don't is because the groups are the group is small enough where you know with with 16 people it's manageable however when i start the new the new group in september because there will be a few groups there they will go into new a new group and this this group currently will become the alumni All right and do you have any idea how much uh, groups you want to um get in in september ideally i would like to do probably another three groups i think another three groups would be manageable but it depends. But here's the thing. It depends on demand. You know, when I originally started this, I said I was going to do one group of six people. And then I ended up with, you know, 12 people in a very, you know, in a matter of hours. And so I thought, okay, well, this tells me people really need it. And if I can manage the time and I can make it work and make sure that, you know, it doesn't compromise the quality of the program, then I'm up for doing it. So while my goal is three groups this time, you know, if it made sense and there were four groups or more and I have the time and flexibility, then I would certainly consider it. Yeah, because it, 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 even if it's not one-on-one, it still um, sounds 
quite time consuming. It's it is very time consuming, and I love 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 working one on one as I said before. But I will tell you, this is a completely different kind of fun. And even though it takes a lot of time, it it never feels like oh my god, I have to go check on what they're doing. I get really excited when I get to interact with them because it, it's really. I mean, we have a lot of fun together. I can imagine. Um, I, I've I've saw some names on um, people you work with or um, that coached you, and one actually three really stood out for me, and because not all of them I really know is one of them was that you had a brief moment with Nora Ephron. I did. I had a couple. I had a couple of moments with Nora Ephron. And what's so special about her for you? Well, I. I am. I love to write, for one thing. I love, love, love to write. And I remember many years ago seeing a movie called When Harry Met Sally. And I was sitting in the theater, and I thought this. it was one of the most brilliantly written things I had ever seen. And so as I was watching it, I kept thinking, oh, God, I want to write. I want to write more. I want to do more. And um, years later, and I always remember thinking then, I thought, oh, I would love to meet her. If I met her, I would ask her. You know, I would ask her how to, yeah, I had all these ideas of things I wanted to ask. So the opportunity comes up and I meet her and I, I acted like a total fan. I couldn't say anything. I was, I was such an idiot. And I even said, I'm so sorry. I said, I'm gushing because I'm just, I'm so excited to meet you. And she was so sweet. And she said, um, she, oh, I told her, I said, you know, you made me want to become a writer. And she said, are you a writer? And I said, no, you just made me want to become one. I just never did anything about it. And she said, are you funny? And I just kind of gave her this look. And she said, oh, of course you're funny. And um, and so we laughed about it. We had a nice little conversation. And she said, you know, Gina, she goes, you have to write. She said, it's just very clear. You have to write. And I said, well, I wouldn't know where to start. I wouldn't know what to do. And um She said, you know, and she, she has said this many, many times before I've heard her say it in public, you know, the hardest thing about writing is writing. You just have to do it. And so I, well, I don't have a blog right now. I, I did have a blog and she, you know, she inspired me because she was actually doing Julie and Julia at the time writing that movie. And she said, she goes, if you want to start writing, she said, start doing a blog. And then the next time I saw her, she asked me if I had started my blog and I was so horrified because the answer was no. So here I had an opportunity to meet someone I had admired my whole life. She gives me great advice. Most people don't get one chance with their hero, but then they get, but I got two chances with one of mine. And, um, and after the second time, that was when I started writing again. So while I don't have an active blog right now, I do continue to write for myself. And that's a lot of fun. But she, I, I also love just that she was a woman who really believed in what she was doing and set a great example as a feminist and role model for other women. And and so I'm all, I'm forever grateful for having had, you know, that interaction with her. So when are you going to write your first book? I know. I haven't I will say this, I have an outline. That that's, I have That's not enough. I know it's not enough. <laughs> you have a date? Do you have a plan? I don't, but I really should do that. No, no, just do it now. Just tell me what's the date that you're going to be releasing your first book. Okay, I'll do it. How about a July 1st of next year? I'm going to write it down. I am too. 
because I have the feeling you're going to call me. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but um, <laughs> I, I'm just giving you your own um, deadline and you can work on that. Maybe you just should just, uh, do one group lesson and reserve the time to write, right? I don't know. Anyway, it was, I'm just kidding. Anyway, uh, I, and the other one was, of course, Dalai Lama. But I don't, I don't want to talk about that. Um, uh, but you also meditated with Deepak Chopra. I have met it. I actually, I learned um, meditation. I got a mantra, my own private mantra from Deepak Chopra. I had an opportunity, uh, I think it was probably about five years ago, where he was teaching a meditation retreat in New Orleans, Louisiana. And here's what I will tell you. If you can learn to meditate in New Orleans, you can meditate anywhere because it's such a party place. Um, and I, I had been a, an avid, you know, I've been meditating for, Many years, I've been an avid follow of, follower of his for many years, but to sit in a room with him and to learn meditation was really a dream come true for me. Uh, we meditated for, you know, sometimes up to four or five hours a day. There was yoga twice a day. Um, it was a great experience, and I will tell you, since that retreat, I have not missed one day of meditation. Oh, wow. Because that, yeah. was, that was going to be the next question. Do you still meditate? But yeah, apparently you do. Yeah, I, I get up every morning. I wake up every morning between 5 and 5.30, and I meditate for anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. Wow. Yeah. For me, it's like, you know, for me, it's it's like brushing my teeth. Like, I can't I can't do my – I can't have my day or start my day unless I've done that. I can feel a difference. That's something I, I have difficulty still of um, starting that. That's maybe better. Yeah. Yeah. The last name was Kevin Bacon. Oh, well, I'm not connected to Kevin Bacon. I think I said, does it say I'm, I'm one, one degree away two, from Kevin two degree. Bacon? Two degrees. Two degrees. I have, um, I'm very, very fortunate because of where I live and because of the people that I get to interact with. And I have some really, really cool and exceptional friends. And that means also living, you know, living in Southern California in the LA area. I do have, um, some Hollywood friends. So I have, I, I get to go and do some fun things. I get to meet some cool people. So that's the connection is that I have some friends who are very well connected to him. If you, um, if you look back, because how many years are you now in your own coaching business? Um, three years in three okay. years, three years doing it full time. So, and if you're looking back in these three years, what was, um, uh, well, the most challenging situation you had or, or you had a really a setback and how did you overcome that? Hmm. I think for me, the probably the hardest thing so far was really starting to learn the sales cycle and um, performance and re retention. And what I mean by that is understanding uh like seasons, like selling seasons and, you know, when clients um, tend to drop off and when to, clients tend to be busier. And what I found is, you know, I had that, I knew that really, really well from my past career because I had, I had been in my corporate career for many, many years. But when you're starting over in a new industry and in a new career, you have to learn all of those things all over again. And that was something that I hadn't really thought about was how, how not not just how important it was, but the fact that I wasn't doing it until I had a month where I lost, um, I lost about half of my clients and it was, you know, everybody was wrapping up their packages and it was, 
you know, like this time of year tends to be a little bit slower because everyone's preparing for August where they take their vacations. So now I know enough to know that I have to prepare differently so that when those slower months come up, I'm not in a panic about, oh my God, how am I going to replace all this money? So, so that would, if I was giving somebody advice who was starting out, I would say start to learn your sales cycle because that it does make a difference. And how many clients do you have on average in a month? If you include the mastermind, then I'm at, uh, I have, if you include the mastermind, I have about 20 clients. Okay. And what is, because the, the pricing is obviously very different from you than from us, but in general, if you look at coaches, there's a lot of variation, but I see that um, a lot of coaches tend to ask um, below what they're really worth. So how much do you charge for a one-on-one? -on -one? How, how do you package that? I work a few different ways, um, but since the mastermind has come up, I'm changing a lot of that. Um, so, for example, on my one-on-one -on -one packages, my pricing just went up not too long ago. So um, now I get paid $500 a session, so it's an hour-long session. Um, we get we get a lot done in an hour. And the reason why, and let me just be really clear, I do not start out starting 500. So for people who are listening, who just passed out, it was not always, it was not always this way. But what happened was, was I really worked hard to develop good relationships and really hone my craft so that I could offer a lot of value in a short period of time. And one of the things that I consistently get as feedback that allowed me to eventually get to a $500 rate was that people would walk away and they'd say, I can't believe how much information we got done or how much we got done and how much information I got in an hour. And what I saw was that that was something that made me different than some of the other people that they were seeing. No discredit or disrespect to other coaches. I mean, everyone's different. This is just what works for me. So, so that's what I do on my private coaching side. On the mastermind side, it's a lower price point because you're working in a group setting and you don't have as much one-on-one, -on -one. Um, so that price point is um, $2.97 a month. And where did you start? Because now you're at 500 for an hour, one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. So when I first started, and I made, by the way, I made really good money in my corporate career, so I was used to making, you know, a substantial amount of money. But when I started in coaching, nobody knew me as a business coach. Everybody knew me as a healthcare person. So I had to reestablish and build credibility in a new market and, you know, to try to get anybody to pay, you know, a reasonable rate, which at the time, you know, reasonable rate to me felt like, you know, between two and three hundred dollars. I couldn't even get that. So when I first started, I was charging eighty five an hour. And what I found was that when I was charging eighty five an hour, I was getting people who valued coaching. But what they valued was. They, they weren't as serious at that lower price point. As my rates started to get higher, then I started working with different kinds of people who really do respect and value what they're doing in coaching and actually get better results because they take it seriously because of what they're investing. Mm -hmm. but, but my philosophy is always, if when a client signs with me, my focus is to help them recover the investment that they've made in coaching and then some. Because that's what pe people walk away feeling really good when they've made money and gotten results. So if I'm coming from that same place, then they're going to feel really good when they finish coaching with me or 
they'll send other people to me or they'll they'll sign for most of my clients end up staying longer than um than the original contract they usually end up renewing what is your what, how long does a client average stay on uh i'd say anywhere from probably i mean most of them are about a year like usually clients say a year i have some who have been with me for i have some who've been with me a few years and i have some who've been with me um a few few months but usually about a year is the average two more questions okay um if you have one tip for the coach that is listening right now what is what is your one most important tip Oh my gosh, if you get nothing else from this interview, please, please, please get this. Make it about the work. The one thing that makes me so crazy is when people say, I want to be this, I want to help people, I want to do this, I want to, you know, give back. But what they really want is to be famous. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that if that's what you really want. But don't do it under the guise of doing it for other people because it's not for other people. If you're going to focus on the work, Focus on the work and doing really good work, and all the other stuff is going to fall into place anyway. I'm a big, big, big believer in that. It's going to be the title of the um, of this interview. I love it. Um, my final question, like I said, it's always the same, <laughs> and and I have to um, set um, some stage here because I always uh, ask this, and and then I get names that I I. Um, That, that I, I, I would love to interview, but I don't think they fit in this uh, in this uh, podcast. <laughs> um, like I said before, this is a podcast for female coaches in general. I try to interview um, female coaches that are successful, that can share their experiences and the way they work uh, so people can learn from it. If you know this, who would you love to hear in this podcast? Oh, that's such a hard question because there are so many good people I can name. But I will tell you the name that just keeps popping in my head like crazy is Susan Ferraro. She's a mindset coach who actually focuses on law of attraction. And she's someone who I've watched really build her business from the ground up and really focus. She's a great example of what I was just talking about, who focuses on the work and now is really, really doing well in her business. That sounds really good. Um Thank you very much, Dina. Thank you, Erno. It was uh, great talking to you. And um, I will, of course, include all the links and everything that you mentioned and also the link to your five and five, which uh, is the, the, the show that you do um, in the show notes, which is going to be um, at number one coachbiz, uh, number one coachbiz.com slash episode 35. And um, I'll see you another time. Thanks so much. This was the wonderful interview with Gina. You can find the names and links that she mentioned in the post that goes with this episode. Please visit number1coachbiz.com slash episode 35 for direct access. Don't forget to subscribe to the Number One Coach Biz podcast on iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud. Can you do me a huge favor? So more coaches will discover this podcast. Give this podcast your honest rating and review. This will really help me to get this podcast out there. Thank you for that. Just send me a quick email letting me know you did this and I will send you a surprise. You can reach me at erno at number1coachbiz.com. I love to hear from you. 
please listen to the following episode, a beautiful interview with Anik Seis. Thank you for listening to the number one Coach Biz podcast at numberonecoachbiz.com.